thinks you what? Um, nope, nope, that was wrong. Shit. <laughs> Welcome back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan and I'm Rachel. I know the name of our podcast. You've only said it like five more than thirty-one times. times. Yeah, way more than that. True that. <laughs> God, you'd think you'd learn it by now. You'd think, <laughs> but I haven't. That's okay. That is okay. I feel like I set myself up in a weird way where I can't look at you. Oh, no, it's me. I moved. We both moved. Oh, oh, you did move. Yeah, I like moved further back. <laughs> we both moved and it's... I'm off to the side. I know. We're hopefully. just not going to look at each other, but yeah. I mean, it matters. Guys, I'm sorry that the sound has been off the past like month. I don't really know. Yeah, it's been a while. Like the sound, the quality, like the the theme song was really loud compared to the rest. Then I was able to even out our volumes, but then the fan in the room made it louder. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know what happened between. It was even better when you first moved here. Like the first episode, we did two parts. It was great. It was great. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened, but our the mics will not make our volume in the edit loud. It's weird. It's weird. I haven't changed anything. Everything is the same. I don't yeah. know. So I apologize if you guys notice a difference. But I'm trying to fix it. I'm I trying. Know. Well, I mean, and my kid comes in here when she's like, yeah. I'll be in the shower and she'll just be playing yeah. in her room and then she'll come in here and uh, play in the podcast yeah. room and like yeah. fuck up the knobs. Yeah. Stop fucking <laughs> touching it, Sam. I know. Oh my gosh. We should get like, we'll cut out like electrical tape and like put little like markings or like I'll get like a dry, not a dry erase marker, but like a chalk marker. Oh, that's a good idea. And I'll just like, yeah, put little notches where all the, you'd think in 31 episodes we would have done that. (laughs) Like every well, time we're like, I guess we'll try this. Yeah. Well, didn't you tell me that my favorite murder, like they kept holding their microphones for yeah. like 80 episodes. Yeah. Not that many. For a but long time. For a long did. time. And still, and then until they're like. And their, their hands moving yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then they're their like, volume would get really low because they would like not realize. They would move. They would yeah. reach. They Which would... gave me hope about us. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. At around 100, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I believe in us. At least we have a marker now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if we don't get it by 100 episodes. Well, then fuck us. Yeah. <laughs> We're not throwing in the towel. Just deal no. with our sound. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be the same after 100. But... <laughs> you'll be used to our sound But you'll be then. used to it by then. It's us. It's our trademark. Exactly. <laughs> God. We got this. We got this, girl. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. Anything to catch up on? My antibiotics and oh, my yeah, inhalers are working Famously. Guys, she's not coughing. I'm not coughing. I coughed one time the other day. That was it. I know. Yeah. And I didn't know what happened. It was like a weird thing. And last night I was out with my old neighbor and I was laughing so <laughs> hard. I had a cough attack. But that's, oh, been, no. that's been it. And I'm like so grateful. <laughs> like honestly. I would be too. Mm-hmm. One cough attack. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I know that I'm getting over uh, a cold yeah. But it's like the worst possible marker for getting better is I get these cough attacks where I cannot breathe. Yeah. I can't stop coughing. Yeah. And I'm like choking on air. My face is red. My eyes are watering. You're People farting. are trying to ask me like, are yeah. you okay? And I'm trying yeah. to tell them. Bye. You got to keep your arms up. <laughs> Open those lungs. Open the lungs. Oh, yeah. God. It's just, it it's bad. It's just like, I know I'm dying. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I'll the ex- worst. I used to have to get off the phone. 
at work because I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'll call you back. And then I hang up and then like I oh run to the hallway so I could just like cough oh, my wow. fucking lungs out. That's really intense. Yeah, it's awful. And then I, you just get this wave of embarrassment. Like my yeah, face gets I really know. hot because yeah, I'm just yeah, like yeah. people can it hear is me. Because it's loud. It's loud and, it's, and it doesn't stop. And no. like when I feel like I'm done, I'll usually start back up again yeah, or yeah. like I'll just keep – Having this like smoker's lung cough for the next like 10 minutes. And people are like, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fucking fine. I'm getting better. (laughs) You can't tell? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's the worst. It's honestly the worst. But you're finally better. I know. It's been like three years. It really has been like The entire length of this podcast probably. I've been sick the whole time. Yeah. It's like an off and on thing. Yeah. It's either you or me or both. And then it's just. It's been so long. I just got over a cough when I was with my neighbor last night. And she's like, oh, my God. When my husband coughs, I want a murder rib. <laughs> I was like, what does he cough like? And she's like, I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like it's fake. Like, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, God. And she's like, I just want to slap him. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, so, honestly, like, if anyone can be around you when you've had a cough that long, like, what a blessing. Right. Exactly. What a blessing. Oh my God. It was oh, so man. funny. She's like, yeah. And then when we went back to the house, I was like, Paul, I want to hear you cough. He's like, that's weird. Why do you want to hear me cough? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I just want to hear like, what is your I'm cough I'm just sound really like? interested. <laughs> yeah. And she just looked at me and I was like, I let it go. <laughs> you knew at that point. Yeah. You just had to let that one slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was really funny. Oh my gosh. When Mike sneezes, he's like yell sneezes. Oh my god, that's oh, my it, brother and my mom. It's, it's, it's like insane. scares me. It scares me. It's like you close don't, your fucking mouth. You don't like know that it's coming. Well, sometimes I know that it's coming because like he'll start looking up and just no. sneeze, like, and you're like, You're mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like so I sometimes I'm just like purple monkey dishwasher. Like, oh my god, yeah. I'm always like I was like, think of a elephant's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what was the color of the last rabbit you saw? And he's like, what was the fuck? I can't. <laughs> that's the best. Oh, it's my favorite. Just yeah, like you gotta like, fuck people over. Yeah, he's like, because that's scary. Yeah, you gotta stop. I used yeah. to tell my dad, "Bless you," in the exact same way that he would sneeze. Oh, so he would just like hurt you, and I'd be like, "Bless you," like immediately, just the same cadence and everything. Oh my god, that's I crazy. can't do that with Mike though. He sneezes like five different ways, and they're all yelling. Bless you! <laughs> He'd be so annoyed. He's like, that's how I feel when you sneeze. I I, get, right I give you two blessings and then I'm like, shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is not a secret. He already knows that I yell at him to stop sneezing. <laughs> Just saying. He knows how much I hate it. Ugh. I Poll question. What is it that your significant other does where you just want to fucking strangle them? <laughs> Write us in. How do you want to murder your significant other? <laughs> Write in at no thank you next. Right? My yeah. God. It's true though. There are just these things. You don't see them coming, but then. Then one day you just murder them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, right. That was it. That was what <laughs> happened. Got it. I know. <laughs> Too late, but now I know. <laughs> yep. See, you're early on in your in your relationship. Yeah, everything's cute now. Yeah. I'm fully aware that like right now everything's wonderful, cute, <laughs> just <laughs> adorable. Everything's a treasure. Oh, everything is. Yeah. You never want to let those things go. No, he doesn't want to fart in front of me. Aw. I know. I mean, that's sweet? really nice. I know. <laughs> it's very sweet. I was like, what are you gonna do? Like when we're together for six full days. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. 
<laughs> that's like a, my situation. You'll yeah. either excuse yourself to the bathroom or you're going to end up having rib pain and yeah. everyone's going to know what's I wrong know. with you. I was like, there are ways. I was like, listen to our podcast. We're very niche. We all, <laughs> all the ways you can hide a fart. Just spread those cheeks, I have, man. Spread them. <laughs> Put a blanket there to muffle. Yeah, sit on a pillow. Yeah, there are ways. Do what you got to do. Yes. Go spray poopery in the bathroom and then just like crop yeah. dust the shit out of it. Take a shower. <laughs> do it right before you shower. Let but the issue out. is when you hold them, then when you, you can't have, get them out. <laughs> yeah, when you have the opportunity to fart, nothing comes out. No. It's no. like all you want is someone to lay on top of you. Or you have to do a headstand. Out. Yeah. Oh, does that help? Just go upside down. You're like moving the air. Oh, interesting, yeah. guys. Right in. Does that work? <laughs> I can't do a handstand. Do the yoga pose, legs up the wall. Yeah. That'll just help filter that out. Oh, that's a good idea. Right? Have you ever seen the meme where it's like a bunch of girls dancing in a nightclub and it's just like, this is the old, that's why girls go to clubs is because it's the only safe place for them to fart. Like, without <laughs> inhibitions they're that just like in a so club true. just like farting it up because you can't hear anything you can't no. smell anything you're That's just dancing so nice. the night away that is so nice. <laughs> god i i just what just a dream fart with abandon yeah <laughs> like, what a dream to be in a loud crowded place where you can blame a fart in sound yeah to anyone anybody Anyone could be the culprit. Right? You could just be standing at the bar ordering a drink and just like let her rip and nobody would know. All this fart talk's making me want to fart. <laughs> Your stomach's like, yeah, my stomach's up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, well, don't crop dust right. the room. I mean, if you have to. I won't. I understand. I'll fart into your pregnancy. <laughs> quietly right you got your you got your secrets yeah you've got your tips. that's why i sit on so many pillows it's full of farts it's just- <laughs> her hair is so big it's full of it's, secrets that's megan's pillow her pillow for it is so big because it's full, full of farts, of farts. <laughs> Can your brother please just like make you like a Game of Thrones type chair out of pillows and just farts. <laughs> just clouds? It's like you're in the clouds, but oh. they are your clouds. <laughs> I'll leave this in. Nick, start working. Do us the honors. Please. Oh my God. There was a time where Mike and I, well, there was a time, yeah, a long time ago. Mike and I were first dating and we were over at his parents' house. And I got really cold because his mom just like kept the AC pumping. Oh. So I asked him for a blanket. And so after like, 15 seconds he gave me the blanket and i was just like laid it out and put it on top of me and i was just like did you did you fart in this blanket before you gave it to me oh, and he was just like fucking God. dying laughing he was laughing so hard so he totally like cropped us to the blanket and like he like bundled it, it all up in a little hot air balloon like, and then yeah, well, not yet, threw it at me he <laughs> smallpoxed you yes oh my God. <laughs> He's the evil white man that oh my tried God. to give you smallpox. Smallpox. That happened. And I still love him. Wow. Even Just after like that. Just like Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> See? Just blinded by love, people. Gosh. That poor eight-year-old <laughs> love. I know. <laughs> so like, God up. damn it. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Okay. Well, my story is not about crop testing. Okay. Good. But it does involve... 
a trash human. Oh, good. I love trash humans. (laughs) I mean, we would be out of a gig if there weren't any trash humans. That is the truth. I'm saying. Preach, sister. (laughs) So I have an ironic story for you today. And not only is it ironic, not like Alanis Morissette ironic, because it's not ironic. Don't you think? It's deeply (laughs) frustrating. And honestly, the news articles left me wondering if the sentence was true justice or if this nagging feeling that I got once I finished writing this essay is an indication of what we all think really happened. I will tell you about Bruce Beresford Redmond and Monica Burgos, but they're married. So her last name is also Beresford Redmond. Okay. Um, This dude, Bruce, was in the news recently, and you'll understand why when I get to the very end. But yeah, this guy is pretty – I like told Mike, I'm like, I'm so excited about the story I'm writing. It's such a good one. And I told him the name. He's like, I just wrote about this dude. I was like – Oh, my God. I feel the same way about my story today. I I was very excited. Yeah. I was Because it's just like – it's nice when you have like a plethora of information. Mm Because sometimes it's like one to two news articles and you can't really write much about it. You just build a story. Yeah. But this was like chock full of information. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yay. (laughs) So (laughs) Bruce Beresford Redmond was born April 20th, 1971, and he's from New Jersey. He is a TV producer who, with a partner, created and produced MTV's Pimp My Ride back in 2004. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy- is very impractical, though. Like, who needs a TV in their trunk? It was insane. I just don't know. I know. The, like- the, I mean, the lengths re- that they went through. It was how like the sound systems and stuff it? were cool. The paint yeah. jobs were always dope. They but broke it was that like, car apart as soon as they drove home and sold it all. Exactly. They're like, like let's put on. a fish tank in there. Yeah, like, like, let's oh put a stripper pole in your Honda yeah, Civic. It's like, exactly. what am I going to do with that? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he was also very involved in the show The Contender, which is a boxing competition show that hosted. Sylvester Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard in 2005. Hmm, so, whoa, pretty cool. Yeah. And more famously, he was a producer for the show Survivor. That show has oh, been on. Yeah. That's- I don't know this story, but I know about him. Okay. And I just recently also saw a photo because, yeah, he was in the news. Because he looks completely different he than what he was. crazy different to the point where I was like, is this the same is this story even I'm the thinking? Same? Yeah. And I Googled it and I was like, you look fucking crazy Yeah, different. TMZ just put something online yeah. about him, like just crazy beard and everything. Yeah, just like, but his face looks even so different in different shape. Yeah. Like it's so weird. Okay, sorry. Go on. No. so <laughs> it, it dawned on me when you said that, obviously. It's though. like that's because yeah. that's yeah. what people yeah, the survivor refer to thing. him as because yeah, it's the most was, popular. When it initially happened, everyone was like survivor, survivor. So like the producer or whatever. What was he? He was a producer. producer yeah, yeah, exactly. The producer of survivor, like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, and I couldn't believe it, but they're still filming that show. It's been yeah, on dude. since 2000. Oh my it's God. I recently heard a clip and it was about a girl, a bug went into her ear and there was like audio. Uh, I know. And it oh truly God. like scarred me. I haven't watched that show in a long time, but. That was when reality shows, like before like MTV's like real world, real world and road rules. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was telling my little brother about that show. I'm like, you'll never know about this, but this yeah. was like the first, like MTV yeah. had it first yeah. with reality TV. Yeah, and then for sure. They brought it into the mainframe for all the baby boomers. <laughs> oh, yeah. You baby Survivor. boomers. Survivor. You fucking love Survivor. Love it. Love it so much. And the other one, Amazing Race. Still on. Yeah, exactly. Oh those two. You baby boomers love that shit. Ugh, they just give me anxiety. I know. Like, I don't enjoy you? those. No, I all. do not enjoy those. <laughs> 
So Bruce's job is to create drama for entertainment value on these shows. He's the producer. He needs to amp up what the viewers are going to take in once they tune into his show, and he needs to have those viewers stick around and watch the whole thing. He needs to keep these audiences captivated. Mm -hmm. It's challenging. We understand that. Yes. But he's good at what he does, so bam, he's making money. Nice. Bruce is married to the beautiful Brazilian-born Monica Burgos. She was born in Rio de Janeiro on April 8th, 1969. Ooh. She loves to entertain. She's a social butterfly, and she has such an allure about her that people are drawn to her. Like, she doesn't have to go out of her way to meet people. People just flock to her. She owns this restaurant and bar on Venice Boulevard in Los Angeles called Zambuba. I was like, I knew I was going to mess that up. Zamboomba. Yeah. Oh, nice. And it's perfect for her being Little Miss Extrovert. She gets to socialize and be around a bunch of people and feed them Latin and Brazilian cuisine and dance and drink. I mean, it's it's all good. Yeah. Between the two of them, I guess you could say that the concept of opposites attract really worked for Bruce and Monica. And I'm not even bothered at the fact that when you Google Opposites Attract, you get the Paula Abdul music video for her song. So good. (laughs) It's a good flashback, everybody. Because I did it. Right. (laughs) The pair wed on her 30th birthday on April 8th of 1999, and they share two kids together. They have daughter Camilla and her brother Alec. And all four of them live in a $2 million home in Palos Verdes. You know I looked up their neighborhood. Is you know I looked up their house. It's oh, yeah. so I wonder how much nice. is it worth now? Oh, you know what? I don't even know. I didn't look up the – because it's for sale. It is? But I didn't look up the value for what it's worth yet. But if they bought it at $2 million and that was like back in 99, then it's – Like four. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean the whole area. I mean Palos Verdes is like just a really expensive neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's like – like a like the upper Brentwood type place too. Like oh, okay. they have a lot of really nice houses. Okay. All the lawns are really nicely manicured. Basically mm-hmm. every single house has a pool. Oh, some yeah. of them have tennis courts. Some of them has basketball courts. Some of them are like an extra story tall. Like these houses yeah. are massive. Wow. Well, there's one little problem with this impossibly perfect family situation. Mm. And it's that Bruce is dating his coworker while married. Mm. He's dating his coworker who is a casting director, and her name is Joy Pierce. Yikes. I believe that the two of them met on the show The Contender back in 2005. Okay. Her nickname was Little Wing, or his ride-or-die girl. Oh and this was not just a sexual affair. They were very real emotions, very real attachments. She was fully aware that he has a wife and two kids, but they yeah. just kept it going and they kept it on the DL. Wow. Until Monica found out. Ew, yikes. Bruce would straight up call or text Joy when he was at home when Monica was around. And I think he just got so comfortable with his situation that he created that he wasn't even phased by his own behavior. Like yeah. he didn't think it was wrong to text his mistress while he was like hanging out with his wife. Oh, my God. Just, I already get you're not supposed to have a mistress, but, like, you're doing that in front yeah, of her is just, just like, it slapping so it in long. the face. Yeah, yeah. You're just, like, forget where you are. Yeah. Mm. And just complete disrespect. Yeah, absolutely. Monica was devastated with the news of the affair and the fact that it had spanned for years after wow. she found out. There were texts and emails that Monica found, and it just broke her sweet little heart. Mm. That's not all. 
Bruce also has a thing for sex hotlines. He was spending hours on the phone, and he even racked up a $5,000 bill. Oh, my God. That's a lot of time and money spent on a sex hotline. That's insane. That's insane. But, like, this was all happening in 2010. Pornhub was started in 2007. I know you have a computer in your house. Just consult your local Pornhub (laughs) Just watch. It's free. You can participate if you want and pay money, but. What an idiot. Porn is free. You don't have to pay $5,000 for it. What an idiot. I also learned that Pornhub is Canadian owned and operated. Thank you, Canadian. You really do? (laughs) I was telling Mike that and I'm just like, it's got to be like the most polite sex in Canada. Like, was it good for you, eh? Oh, yeah, eh? Sorry. Help yourself to some maple syrup on the way out. (laughs) I just can't. Sorry, I give you so many orgasms, eh? Sorry. I know. And then for those of you who don't know, because I thought this was really funny, Pornhub participates in April Fool's Day. And so one year they had corn hub. And so it was like every single picture was about like hot buttered corn. Yeah. But like the descriptions were like very sexual, but it was all corn. And then another year they did horn hub, like saxophones and trumpets, trombones, French horns. I love them. Oh my God. What a bunch of sweet peas. Just so, so funny. But the content can be very aggressive. It's it's, exactly. You got to really work on your searches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not into stepsisters. A lot of men are on the front page. Right? I don't want to look at the hot videos. I'm just going to look for something. Making love. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to go to Pornhub and look up making love just to see. Mm -hmm. Just to see. It's happening, guys. It's very romantic. I'll screenshot it and put it on Instagram. Feels like something they would take. All right, guys. Back to business. Okay. So Bruce confided in his mom. And he told her about the affair. Oh, my God. Which is shocking because I feel like if I ever had a situation like that. fucking person. I'm not going to go to my parents. Yeah. They're going to be like, you're fucking dumb. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you doing? And why did you do that? Yeah, exactly. Like, if no. No. You Those things are familial, private couple things that you work through. Or involve a therapist. Yeah. Don't involve your mom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So his mom wanted the two of them to work through it, if that's what they both wanted. And she even told Monica, why don't you try a trial separation? Don't actually get separated. Your house is so big. Why don't you stay in your room and then have him stay in the guest room, like down the hall or like in another part of the house? Yeah. So that way you guys can figure it out and you can talk about things if you need to and it's not – So different that the kids are wondering, like, what's going on. That's good. Yeah. Monica just is so ballsy. She started emailing Joy, the side piece. I mean. She wanted to gain some insight on what the fuck was happening in between them and ask questions about why he would stray away. Because it's always like, what does she have that I don't have? Of course, yeah. So you start putting yourself in that category and you just, you've got to know. Well, Joy told her in an email that Bruce isn't a man of his word and to be careful. What? I'm sure that he told Joy, like, oh, I'm going to leave my family and uh, it'll just be you and well, me. Yeah. And that cliche. never happened. Yeah. So, cliche lies. Exactly. So he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. Spring of 2010, Monica's known about this affair for a while and mm. she is just at her 
wit's end. She flees their home after reaching a breaking point and she wrangled up her two littles and she flew to Hawaii to just give herself a break and get it, just take a time out and do her thing. That's what I do every time. I know. I'm just like, I'm upset. Let's go to Hawaii. Just gotta go to Hawaii to really get it out of your system. (laughs) It's it's that that salt water. Just really just It only cleanses if you're in Hawaii. Cheating off of you. (laughs) (laughs) So she got to spend one-on-one time with her kids. Mm-hmm. She's got some motherfucking distance to clear yeah. her head being 2,400 miles away. Yeah. And after all of that thought and spending time with her kids, she decides not to give up on her marriage and to work out her shit situation with Bruce. She comes home and Bruce is acting differently. He's more emotional and he's crying about nearly using her, lo- using her, losing her, which he's never done before. He's never like been emotional when emotions are needed he's always just been kind of passive or just very stone-faced about things okay so it seems like he felt that he understood what it was going to feel like without her and the kids there in the house and it made him sad Mm. or he just did a really good acting job to try to win her back Mm. who knows he says that he doesn't want to lose her and that he was crazy apologetic and he offered to take her to a trip for her birthday and he told her, wherever you want to go, you pick the place, and that's where we're going to go. So she decided, and they scooped up their kids, and they took their little family to Cancun, Mexico. Okay. They booked a stay at the all-inclusive five-star Moon Palace Hotel, and they all stay in one room because the kids are under the age of seven. Yeah. So everyone's staying together. Yeah. They stayed active with the kids. They did a lot of outdoorsy shit, and they enjoyed the resort. Okay. Sort of. Hmm. Monica sees that Bruce is texting Joy while they are on their trip. And that is just the last fucking straw. Yeah, what a dick. Monica's in communication with her sisters to let them know of the situation. And she tells them that she's unhappy. And her sisters let her know that they support her. And maybe that it's best that she goes through with with the divorce. Yeah. Maybe this trip is when Monica decides to break the news about wanting a divorce because hotel employees witness the couple arguing and fighting. One witness even said that he was being physically rough with her and he would only stop being rough with her when he realized that people were looking at his behavior and seeing how he was acting on vacation. Wow. So they would see Monica crying all the time. She was crying in front of the hotel restaurant and they decide to leave They get their kids and they retreat back to their hotel room. It's getting late on April 5th, 2010, and the two are still fighting. Then things take a really dark turn. Hmm. There are English guests that are staying at the floor below Monica and Bruce, and they can hear screaming. It's so loud that they are woken up by the commotion and the noise, and it sounds like a woman is calling for help and that she's crying out in distress. It's not clear if the guests call for help or if they assumed it was none of their business, because then it just gets quiet. The next morning, Bruce leaves the do not disturb sign on the door all day long. He doesn't allow any staff members into the room to clean it or do a check-in. If his kids ask where his mom is, he just tells them she went shopping for the day to get out on her own and to treat herself and maybe do a spa appointment later that night. The kids don't see her all day on April 6th, and day turns into night, and there's still no sign of Monica. It's now April 7th. In the morning, Bruce calls the front desk of the hotel and asks if anyone has seen his wife as she went shopping the previous morning and she just never came back. 
He needs to know who to call for an emergency. And after he hangs up, he calls his sisters-in-law, so Monica's sisters. Mm -hmm. He tells Gianni that Monica went missing and Gianni asked questions and doesn't believe his answers. Especially now with all the shit going on between Monica and Bruce, she'd want to be able to be there with her kids. She wouldn't leave her kids with Bruce if she was like really upset over their situation. Yeah. She really doesn't like to shop, let alone go shopping by herself, and she's Mm. not a spa person. She's probably one of those people that just doesn't like to be touched. Oh, my gosh. These are all stupid things to say. Right? So, and why didn't she have her cell phone on her? Mm. It all didn't add up. No. So Gianni was so shaken up with the news and in such disbelief with Bruce that she flew to Cancun to try to help find her sister. Oh, my gosh. Like, let's be real. If I was on vacation with my husband and he's all go out for the day go do your thing go shop and we had our kid with us like if I was out on my own I would be texting him or calling him or like seeing what's going on and at tops I would only be gone for like a couple hours and then I'd be back at my hotel stay yeah so for him all inclusive like you don't have to leave that's the point of going to an all-inclusive resort yeah literally that's the point and the fact that he didn't try calling her or, like, wasn't blowing up her phone, like, he knew like, that she you? didn't have yeah. it, like, where are you? Like, nothing like that. Mm. And for her to leave her kids for the day and not check in on them, like, that's yeah, just fishy. Weird. It's just weird. April 8th, 2010. It's Monica's birthday and her body is found. Mm. She's found naked, beaten, <gasps> suffocated, and stuffed inside of a sewer drain 80 feet where her hotel room is where she was staying with her family. Oh, my God. God. As all relationship murder types go, police hone in on the spouse. Bruce is cooperative and he goes to the station and he gives his statement. Mexican officials keep his passport. They tell him that he's not allowed to leave just in case they need more information from him. Plus, I mean, he could possibly be a suspect. So they're like, you can't go anywhere. Yeah. His kids fly back to LA and they stay with their grandparents while he stays in Mexico to help for about two weeks. And then he sneaks back into L.A., literally. Police officials kept his passport to keep him somewhat detained in Mexico. But this guy uses his survival from his survivor TV show skills. Oh, my God. He hitchhiked from the border. He hitchhiked from Cancun to the border town of Nuevo Laredo, which is really fucking far from Cancun, and it borders Texas. So he went like from the like little peninsula down of Mexico all the way up to the Texas border. He oh hitchhiked my there. God. He crosses the border and got into Texas using his driver's license, and then he stays in Texas for three days, and then he gets a ticket and he takes a train from Texas to L.A. Like. Why do all of that? Like a train? Like you live in a $2 million home. What? Like what are you doing? He's just he's just trying to be so sneaky. Like why uh, didn't you fly? You don't need a passport to fly from Texas to California. Yeah. You just need your ID. Mm. It was just like it's too wishy-washy. It's just like too questionable about like why is he doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Plus – He wasn't even supposed to be in L.A., so everyone was surprised to see him because Mexican officials told him, you have to stay here. And then it was a slap to the Mexican police officers because they wanted him to stay there. They told him to, but he just ignored everything and then went back to L.A. Oh, and here's another red flag for you. When Monica's sister, Gianni, was in Mexico speaking to the police, she said that the person 
in charge of the mortuary was there and was asking her what she wanted to do with her sister's body. And Gianni said she wants to bring her home back to Los Angeles and bury her there. Mm -hmm. And then she was told Bruce already came and paid to have Monica cremated before leaving Mexico. So just so you know, if you want to have somebody cremated before, like if you want to have somebody cremated without even having a care of how they died, like what happened to them, yeah. then that's the sign Especially of a guilty person. Especially when it's a person. suspicious death like that. Like it's like so obvious that you did something sinister. Exactly. You should be yeah. like, yes, here. Do anything. Do anything what, and everything you can in yeah. your power. He's like, no, I want to I want to burn every sign of evidence that there is. Yeah, wow. By cremating her early. Yeah. So luckily that doesn't happen. They good. end up doing an autopsy on her oh, and she ends up going back with her sister. So that's good. But I mean, that is fucking guilty as fuck. Yeah, dude. So after the murder, it takes a while to obtain enough reasonable evidence to arrest somebody. Yeah. So there's enough of it to arrest Bruce. So in July of 2010, on a warrant from Mexico, I think it was like seven months later, a warrant from Mexico to have him extradited back to Mexico to face a trial and like face the music there. So he's not dealing wow. with American U.S. Yeah, courts. no, totally He's not. dealing with theirs. Yeah. So that happened. So he knew that he got arrested and then he was extradited to Mexico February 8th of 2012. Wow. The evidence compiled against Bruce points to him committing the crime, but it's not 100% proven. You see, there's a lot of issues with the evidence. Police and an autopsy proved that Monica had been struck in the temple and then was choked to death before she, like, that's how she died. Mm -hmm. But a rape kit was never used to ensure that they shouldn't be looking for another person. And mm -hmm. her fingernails weren't tested or looked at to see if she had scratched her attacker. Because that's usually the first yeah. thing they check is under the fingernails. Mm -hmm. Bruce had scratches on his arms, on his neck, like the back of his neck, and his face. But claims that those were from when they were doing all their outdoorsy activities with their kids. Mm -hmm. But like the back of the neck, though, like you don't get scratched on the yeah. back of the neck. That's doubtful. There's no surveillance video on the hotel premise to aid in getting a visual on who would do this That's to poor sweet crazy. Monica. Isn't that nuts? Like 2010 and there's there's no visual. I That's, mean, it has to be everywhere now, but like. That's fucking crazy. Th there's none. No visual at all. The door electronics show that someone was going in and out of the room the night that she went missing. So it's like mm. speculation that he was going out to look for a place where he could mm -hmm. put her body. Mm -hmm. Bruce claims that he was just going out to look for Monica to see if he could see her while the kids were sleeping. Okay. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> if you're not calling her on the phone, then you're not going outside and looking off of your balcony. I know. To what see are you she's there. Like, looking for? Are you over there? Are you hello, over there? Hello. Hello. Where are you, Monica? <laughs> like, what? Like, what are you doing? Off your balcony? Like you're fucking Rapunzel? Yeah. It just doesn't uh, make any sense. No, that's not the right. <laughs> no. No. Romeo and Juliet. Like a Juliet. <laughs> yeah. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> but yeah. So the screaming that woke up the hotel guests. Bruce said it was his kids playing a game. What? The report said it sounded like a grown-ass woman in distress calling for help. Mm-hmm. But the people who heard the noise, they flew back home. They weren't fully interviewed, and they weren't kept in Mexico for questioning. So there goes that little slice of evidence. The crime scene itself was tampered with. 
Unauthorized people were walking in the grass. They were covering up vital clues. No one was wearing gloves when they were handling the situation. Oh, my God. Crime scene evidence went missing or it was like damaged. It was just messy. And it made the case against Bruce that much harder. Bruce claims he didn't hide his wife's dead body in the hotel room with his kids there. And there's no evidence that his kids even saw anything. Because they all stayed in the same, the one yeah. room. So I don't really know what happened. I don't, I just don't know. Bruce stayed in Mexico's prison for four years before a trial began, since there was a, at least enough circumstantial evidence to show probable cause that yeah. he killed his wife. Yeah. He was convicted of her murder in March of 2015 and was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Okay. Well, prisoners in Mexico are eligible for early release after serving 60% of their sentence. So that sounds just as bonkers as you think it does. So counting time served before his trial, Bruce only served seven and a half years, and he just got released a couple months ago in July of 2019. He's living with his parents, he gets to see his kids again, and he's maintained his innocence this whole time. So he made money off of other people's drama for entertainment to only find himself in those deep emotional waters, but he managed to come out free. Ridiculous. I hate him. That's ridiculous. I didn't know the insane story behind it. It's just... Just so nuts. Bonkers. That's insane. I just want to know, like, he's so smart, and he comes up with these traps for people to get themselves into because... He's working on shows like Survivor. Yeah, yeah. He puts people in this predicament for them to get their way out, and he knows the answer to how they're going to get their way out. I feel like he put himself in that same exact position when they went to Mexico. Wow. So I don't really know. I don't know. I think that justice was not served. No, absolutely not. I feel like he should still be in prison. And to put her down there naked. Yeah, to, like, not even respect her enough yeah. to, like, clothe her. There was probably his DNA all over her clothes. Oh, I'm sure. So he took him and like, did Yeah, whatever. like, where were her clothes that she was wearing? Nobody found him. Ugh. Yeah, like, her... She didn't have her phone on her. Her money was missing, but there were no, like, weird charges on any of her credit cards. And her clothes were nowhere to be found. So But it's just so like, horrible. but he... Just has the mind to create something so ugly. Ugh. You know? I yeah. just, ugh. ugh. I just don't like you. Ugh. ugh. Well, in good news, I'm going to tell you another awful story. <laughs> <laughs> and this one involves a child, so trigger Rough. warning. And she's also, she would have been our age. Oh, Lord. I know. So that's why I also was just like, it's just crazy. You feel okay. it even more. Yeah. Because you could put yourself like this in that was perspective. Me. Like oh, this gosh. exact year, time, all of this was me. Oh, gosh. So, okay. That's wrong. Let's flash back to 2001, December of 2001. We're in Holland, Arkansas. It's about 50 miles north of Little Rock. Casey is 12 years old, and this she lives in a super-duper small, small town. She's miles away from her neighbors and basically living in the woods. So her and her family were crazy secluded, and she's often home alone. Her older brother is college age, and he's attending a local college, but he's just never really home. Right. Because they live so far away. It yeah. takes forever to commute there, come back. 
And her mom had passed away. So that just left her dad raising her. Mm -hmm. And he was a police officer. And due to it being an incredibly small town, the staff was basically like him and a couple other officers. So he's never home either. Nope. Right. Nobody's ever home. They lived – she also lived far from her friends. And so her friends barely came over. And – her phone calls were considered long distance. Oh my god! Can you imagine? No. Yeah. Is that how? Wh- move. I know. <laughs> it's like so nuts. So anytime she made a call to her friends, it was considered long distance. So oh she god. barely called her friends. Like I can't imagine when I was that little, like not calling my friends. No, it was like that's what you do. Yeah, like in junior high and throughout the rest of the years. Yeah. yeah like I remember talking on the phone, like in elementary yeah, school or like totally. middle school, just be yeah. like. Is Leah home? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. My I don't friend. want to go all the way over to yeah. her fucking house if she's yeah. not there. I'm going to call it. Oh time. my God. Can Leah come out and play? Yeah. Danielle would always wait till 9 a.m. to call. <laughs> and it's like, now when you think about it, I'm like, if someone fucking called me at 9 a.m., I'd be so mad. I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm awake because <laughs> I wake up at seven because I am 32. <laughs> right. But also, what the don't fuck do is that. wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But truly, Basically, she's secluded as fuck. Yeah. So around this time is when AIM and chat rooms just kind of like started coming up. So her dad had purchased dial-up. Thanks, dad. Exactly. So it's like finally she – Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds like a Skrillette song. Yeah. So she's finally able to like at least talk to people and her friends in some way. Thank God. Yeah. So her screen name was Model Behavior 36, which do you remember that movie with Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake? Yeah. Model Behavior is a Disney movie. No. Oh. It was like this girl, these two girls that looked identical and they switched lives. One was a model and one was, I can't remember what, and Justin Timberlake was like in love with the model, but turned out she wasn't a model. She was like the normal girl. And then they like (laughs) fell in love. Oh you know, God. I don't know. I saw it. I, don't, like, <laughs> I just I don't remember. Of, I don't remember. What I don't remember about. what happened. But <laughs> <laughs> well, like Justin Timberlake, and then there was like Sarah. And then this happened. <laughs> I just think of like Tyra Banks when she was a Barbie doll and she came to life. Oh, that was um. I just sang that song to someone the other day. That's hilarious. I was like, I don't feel like a star today, and she was like, just shine bright. I was like, shine bright, shine bright, be a star, be a star, where you live, where you are, be a star. <laughs> I don't remember the name. What was that movie? What was the name? I got it. Oh, they did a second one. It just came out during Christmas, and I watched it, and it was horrible. <laughs> she did a sequel like twenty years later. Let's see. Barbie movie. It was called Life Size. Life Size. Life Size Model Behavior. I mean, they're very similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Very similar. Yes. Doll came to life. (laughs) Justin Timberlake was a doll. Right. But there were two people who switched. They were twins and they traded places. No, wasn't it the one? No, she didn't switch places in that one. She was like friends with Lindsay Lohan, and like she was like an abandoned child. And but you don't remember I don't, any I don't, of it. I don't remember this one at all. But like, so Lindsay Lohan was struggling. So she became- <laughs> do you remember? Sorry to go off on this tangent. Do you remember the McDonald's commercials where um, 
they like the kids, their parents were like, great news, honey. We're going to go to a museum after we're done with lunch. And all of a sudden they could hit pause. And then they have like their body double come in and they're like, okay, you have to go to the museum while I like enjoy my hamburger and French fries and play. Yeah, it was like no. each kid got to like switch places and they, but I like, I don't remember that at all. Oh my God. I know. Shoot. That had to be from like 91. Yeah. I don't it's remember that. old commercial. Yeah. So her screen name had model behavior 36. The 36 was her brother's jersey number from football. Aw. I know. So sweet. That's cute. Um, at first, when she is using these chat rooms to talk with – at first, she's just talking to her friends. She would talk to her friend Samantha, who's 13. Her screen name was Cutie Patootie 87 <laughs> <laughs> And again, it's just crazy to think, like, that was – I was born in 87. That's so and funny. And then one of the girls is – I think they're 12 and 13. So I think one girl was like, oh, no. So she was a year younger. So she was born in 88. Okay. Yeah. So she talked to her friend Sam and she talked to her friend Jessica. And her friend Jessica's name, a screen name was always with a Z singing. I feel like that would have been my screen that name. That would have been yours. <laughs> Jazz hands, 69, oh 69. <laughs> I don't even think I knew what 69 was at Nobody the time. Did. No. I went to uh, the Apple store to get my computer fixed, and she was like, I always get so embarrassed when I have to use my old email that I created after I had AIM. And it was, it's Abercrombie, whatever numbers, and then at Yahoo. Yeah. And she I was like, can I change? Like, I was at Apple, and she was like, can you give me your email? And then we can, like, set, what's your Apple ID? And I told her, and she's like, okay. Like, <laughs> a lot of people are embarrassed. And I was like, can I change? She's like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, that's so cool that Apple was invented when I made fucking stupid emails and screen names. She's like, yeah, mine's horrible too. Don't worry. Yeah, they're all bad. I'm like, what the fuck? They were all bad. Why doesn't Apple let us change it? I legitimately have to use it for everything. That sucks. I know. And I'm just like, Abercrombie. And they're like, how do you spell that? I was like, ugh. That store's gonna be gone one day, and then and then you're they're gonna be like, what's that? That's (laughs) it's so embarrassing. You're so hip. So stupid. I had stupid ones too. We all did. We were all just Why did dumb I as use hell. It? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so these girls would be in the chat rooms and they would just be like talking about makeup, boys during the third days, like just random stuff. Which I implore everyone who's around our age to go watch Pen 15 and refresh on what your junior high life was. Right. Because I felt like it completely refreshed like everything I forgot. <laughs> so not all f- not all of the, her friends were as obsessed about going online and chatting in these chat rooms as Casey, but she truly used it as an escape because she was super bored after school. She wanted to talk to her friends, but she didn't really have anyone at home to talk to. So her dad, like most in the early 2000s, thought this was a safe way for her to communicate with her friends. The internet was new and they didn't know the stranger danger of online. So on New Year's Eve of 2001, Casey and her friends decide to join a chat room with strangers. It was a Christian teen chat room, so they figured it was safer than the other options of other, you know, random chat rooms. Yeah. Unfortunately, like most other chat rooms, this one was just as pervy. So, and it was New Year's, so like the cool people were probably out because you can't bring your computer slash smartphone out to the world. (laughs) So they were like fucking mingling and like actually creating memories on two. New Year's. <laughs> so what was left in that chat room was just like 
the weirdest of weirdos and 12 and 13 year olds. Right. So they ended up meeting a boy named Dave in the chat room, which I'm sure many of you remember. Basically, you would type in the little box ASL, your age, your sex, and your location. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all lied. But Dave, they thought, was an honest, wonderful California Christian blonde boy. (laughs) So he ends up responding, 17 years old, from San Diego, California. So one, to them, that was exciting. They had never talked to an older boy. Mm-hmm. And two, his picture was a straight-up surfer cliche California dude. Cool. So they were super excited. Her friends joked that they didn't travel. They were lucky to even make it to Florida, which truly, like, what a dream. Disney World is there. It's right there. It's a dream vacation. It really is. So Casey gets really wrapped up into this chat with Dave, and the other girls chat with him, but not like Casey. Casey would describe her and Dave as being super close friends. They talked every single day. Wow. Casey begged her friends to add him on the Yahoo Messenger, which truly was like, who were you, Yahoo? Like, trying to be AIM, you know? Like, Exactly. Get out of here. Just like the stupid like, stepsister. Like, nobody cares on. about you. Get out of here. Go get back to your room, Yahoo yeah. chat. Yahoo? Who are you? We want AIM. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Ba-da-ding. Like, yeah, we need our... <laughs> door closing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the sound when it went opens, it was yeah. like, oh, then who's online? <laughs> who got here? The door open. Right? It would just be me and Emma, and we'd just be like... Anybody else going to sign in after then school? Then you get bored. You go in a fucking chat room. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so her friends added him, but again, they never became as close as he and, Ka- and Casey did. Uh, Casey's dad, like most, thought that she was just talking to boys and it was harmless. She was safe in front of him and in their home, so it didn't matter. So he would be like, okay, yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. Also, wasn't really home, so he wasn't really aware of who she was talking to or what she was talking about. He just, when he would was home, he would see it and feel like it was appropriate so he let it go yeah one night while having a sleepover at casey's house jessica and her were home alone per usual casey's dad had worked that night and they are in the living room doing whatever girls do at a sleepover and they were like doing face masks or whatever playing with a ouija board yeah yeah the huge (laughs) and they hear a creak in the kitchen they like go silent and listen and then they hear another creak and it was super loud the second creak So they both scream and run into the nearest bedroom that was near the living room. They're both, they're 12 and 13, which truly at that age, I don't know what the fuck I would do. No. Yeah, right? You can't, like, probably the phone wasn't in that bedroom. You don't have your cell phone. You don't think to grab it. No. Like, I mean, at that age, I always thought that someone was hiding in the house waiting for my parents to leave to murder me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd have to sit there and convince myself if they were going to murder me, they would have already done it. But now I know while doing this podcast, that's smart. Sometimes that isn't the case, that's, and nope. they wait. They anyways. will wait. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so we're never safe. Uh, Great. It was also 10 p.m., and the closest neighbor would never hear them yell. So they moved a dresser in front of the door and just waited in there. And after a while, and not hearing anything, they got the nerve to look in the kitchen, and there was nothing. So they chalked it up to a random break-in, and they got spooked. But they knew for sure someone had broken. Oh, God. So a few months go by and her and Dave get even closer. Casey starts to open up about her family. And she even talks about the most tra- the most tragic thing that had happened to her in her 12 years of life. Mm-hmm. When she was seven, her mom had been driving down a dark road because they lived in a rural area. And in the middle of the road was a horse. Oh. <gasps> She hit it and died on impact. Oh, my God. The saddest side note that I thought was that her mom was obsessed with horses. 
Oh my god. No, and had a ton of figurines and Casey ended up keeping all of them in her room. Oh. And I just thought that was really weird. It'd be like you getting killed by a gator and Sam having a million Yeah, like <laughs> figurines in her room. For real. Like it's just like it's a freak accident. To be killed by the thing you love most. That's insane. Isn't that nuts? Oh my god. Yeah, it's so sad. Wow. So Casey didn't talk much about the accident, but she did open up to Dave. Dave ends up opening up to her, too. Turns out Dave's aunt, who randomly lives in Arkansas, was also in an accident and was badly injured and in the hospital. Dave ended up leaning on Casey for support and having the same from having this similar experience. Well, things escalate and they end up talking on the phone, which truly you guys know my horrible long distance phone stories and bills. So I'm sure these calls <laughs> were not cheap. They were not cheap. No. no. So Casey wasn't um, secretive about Dave. She loved to blab about him, just like I love to blab about all the guys I met in chat rooms. It was exciting. Yeah. You know? So Casey tells her dad that it's Dave's birthday and he says, oh, how old is he turning? And she says, 18. Casey's dad is like, nope. Well, gotta okay. shut that shit down. <laughs> uh, no, no, that is not okay. Nope. So he's like, 17 was cool, but 18, uh, he was a perv yesterday too, by the way. So, mm-hmm. so her dad's like, okay, you need to stop talking to him. Yeah. Casey's like, I don't think so. I really like him. And he's like, no, you need to stop talking to him. She's like, okay. So she goes back into that Christian chat room and meets Scott. She's hmm. like, I need to replace this Dave. <laughs> Scott is 14. So her age, or more her age. Yeah. And lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Now she's trying to choose between Dave and Scott because she didn't completely stop talking to Dave, but then she started talking to Scott, and now she has a love triangle on her sweet little teen hands. 12 years old. Oh, girl. She ends up talking to both of them until one day she did a numerical name game to see who got a higher percentage of compatibility. You know, like we would do MASH. I was going to say, yeah. what, was she playing MASH? No, it was like some <laughs> weird number game where each n- letter in the name Represents. had a number. And then you did like a thing. I don't even know. But it, yeah, basically. Oh it was in Seventeen Magazine and everybody oh swore by it. Oh my goodness. It's just as bad as a it chain was letter. teen bop and you know what? <laughs> After she took that JTT poster out of there <laughs> and she put Leonardo DiCaprio right on that wall on the back was a number game. <laughs> oh, my God. And so she did the number game and Scott ended up winning. He got the higher percentage. So that meant he won her heart. Oh, my God. So on October. <laughs> what if that's how we had to choose our mates? Oh, my the, God. I know we have chemistry, but your numbers are just really low. So yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's just not going to work out. Your name was fucking bad. weird. But then everybody's name would have like a higher number count. Like it would be like Scrabble, but name. So it's now October 3rd, 2002. And Casey updates her Yahoo profile to say, On October 3rd, I started going out with Scott, the sweetest, cutest, smartest, funniest, sexiest guy ever. I love him with all my heart. Truly, how does a 13-year-old know what's sexy? She didn't say that. I'm asking. (laughs) (laughs) So they were Yahoo Messenger official, which was the coolest platform before Facebook. Totally. Dave pretended to be supportive of this new age appropriate age relationship but then he would call casey and tell her his aunt was getting more sick and he needed her 
He would always call her. She never called him, so she didn't get those long-distance charges, girl. Good for her. So she's he, a lady. She is a goddamn lady. <laughs> so he's now like, I'm going to Arkansas. And thing was, she had told her friends that she never wanted to meet him. It was strictly an online phone thing. So him coming to the state meant nothing to her. She didn't want to meet up with him. Wow. She was just like, good for him. And what are the chances Aunt was even close to her? Like, it's a large state. Her phone calls are literally long distance. Exactly. Like, nobody is Nobody close is to her. near her. Yeah. <laughs> but to meet a 13-year-old, it's like, get a life. Why are you trying to meet a 13-year-old? That's kind of, yeah. So she's like, I'm going to focus on Scott. So her friends are worried because she's making all these relationships with men online. By December of 2002, Sam and Casey are fighting all the time about her being what she quote, quote unquote said was being dumb and talking to people online. And they're, they one day they were at their lockers and she looked into Casey's locker and there was a picture of a boy. And oh. she's like, who's that? And she's like, oh, it's Scott. And she's like, Scott mailed me this photo. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Which no. all of us audibly gasped. <gasps> yeah. He now knows her address. Yeah. So Sam was completely worried like a friend should be. Right. Whatever. It's fine. I trust him like you do because you have a, you know. You a, totally have a good gauge of who's telling the one, truth. One, she's very young. And you know that frontal lobe is not formed. It is not formed. No. We've discussed it. Science But people. second, that false sense of intimacy when you're just talking. Oh, yeah. It's so strong that you feel like you know that person. You trust them. They know you. It sucks. Yeah. It yeah. just sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. why do we have to deal with that emotional baggage? Like, when we're that young and we... I know. I mean, I still don't know how to handle emotions. But, like, when you're that little... Yeah. It's, I, that it's a lot. Sucks. It's too much. It's, it's too much. It's too much for the little baby brains. <laughs> so Casey, trying to not have a boring school night, after their little fight, she asks both the girls, do you guys want to have a sleepover? And they both say no because it was a school night. <laughs> and then they say, she's like, well, do you guys want to come over to my house and have a sleepover? And they're like, no, maybe this weekend. Well, she ends up going home alone and being alone that night. And she tells Scott about the fight that she had during the day and them not wanting to have a sleepover. And she's just, you know, like little girls do. Drama, drama, drama. Yeah. So <laughs> she makes dinner and around seven, her dad calls to check in and she's fine. She's eating dinner. Everything's good. So Casey, now bored for the night, goes into a chat room. Well, unbeknownst to her, someone was breaking into her house again. <gasps> and this time she couldn't hide fast enough. When her brother gets home, he sees that all the conversations on the computer are still mid-chat and all the lights are on in the house. Oh, fuck. He calls his dad to ask where Casey is and his dad's like, she should be home. He is worried like right off the bat because Casey yeah. lives so far, there's no reason she should have left the house. Right. So he leaves work and drives straight home and he finds her glasses on the ground bent and broken. Mm. Her shoes and her jacket are still there. They start walking around the property looking for her, but they can't find anything. Since he's a cop, he decides this isn't a runaway, so he immediately starts everything for a missing person and gets things in action. By the next morning, the news had her photo. FBI came to town. They had dogs. People had volunteered, combing the area around the home. They figured they would find her cold and scared, but nothing worse. It's now December 4th, and her friends go to school. Police are there. They had thought maybe – the girls thought maybe, like, Casey just ran away for the night and came back. Right. Like, that. you know how when you're really young, you're just like, this is so silly. Like, it's nothing. It's nothing, you know? Yeah. 
that's what they thought. But they get there and police start questioning everyone and Casey isn't at school. And they lived in such a tiny town. They were just like, this doesn't happen here. Exactly. People don't go missing. No. So they start interviewing her friends and combing through her last chats she had. The friends had told police the weird Kate that Casey had asked for them to have a sleepover. And they told her that they wanted to have it that weekend. And then Sam told the police about how Scott had mailed her the photo. So they knew that Scott had her address. Mm -hmm. So they start searching for Scott and looking through the conversations with Casey. Just 12 hours later, they were in Scott Gordon's front door (gasps) way. (laughs) (laughs) And he's exactly who he said he was. He was a 14-year-old that lived in Georgia. So dead end. Fuck. Yeah. So just getting some... Jessica's home. (laughs) (laughs) So Jessica and Sam talk after they spoke to the police and they rack their brains. They're like, who else would have done something to her? Like, what could have happened? Like, who does she talk to at school? If it's not Scott, who else? They both think Dave. Oh, okay. He had said that he he was coming to Arkansas, which was kind of a red flag. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know if he knew where she lived, but they knew that they talked a lot. So once the girls tell police about him, they find out his real name is Dave David Fagan. They search motels and find a car with a license plate from California. The person in the room is named David, but his last name is registered under Fuller. But the manager of the motel tells them that he had checked in earlier that week. He had asked that no maid service go in his room. Oh, no. He complained the internet in the room was down and not working, and he was furious. <gasps> They get a search warrant and go into the room and find that the bed had not been slept in that night because cops were working incredibly fast. They find the suitcase, and on top of that, they find rubber gloves and camo clothing. No. They now can see whatever happened was sinister. Since he wasn't there, they needed to find him. So they go back to the manager and get the number that was left on the check-in. And guess what? It's the exact number that called her a hundred times. Oh my God. They subpoena the credit card records and find st- a storage facility, and they basically hope that they just find her there. Like he like put her in there alive. Like he just was using it as like a place to put her. Right. They go to the storage unit and they find the door is closed, but it wasn't locked. They assume they're in there, but when they open the door, immediately a gunshot is set off. So they back out. And for three hours after a SWAT team comes in, they are at a standoff. And during those three hours, no one, there's no response out of the locker. Oh my God. So by 10.30 p.m., they're like, okay, we have to go check. Yeah. So they clear the unit and police go in and find a van parked in the unit. And in the van, they find Casey's body in the back, dead. Oh no. And they find David in the front seat Shot in the head by a self-inflicted wound. Oh, my God. Casey had been shot and killed hours earlier that day. I'm not going to go into a ton of details because, like, nobody wants to hear this. But she had been abducted abducted 24 hours prior, drove straight to the storage unit, and sexually assaulted for the rest of that time. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, all of her friends found out what had happened from the news. Oh, no. Can you imagine? Isn't that so sad? Oh, no. There's, like, no buffer. Like, you're hearing all of it as it happened, Mm -hmm. how they found it. Here are the details, as grisly as they may be. 
how are you supposed to compartmentalize that stuff when you're that young? It's like, your friend that's terrifying so sad oh it's so police sad. were so messed up from this one of the officers said they went home unplugged their computer canceled their internet <gasps> that they were they were like so upset they're like i'm done it was terrifying what was on the other end of that screen oh is what he said. my god so here is who david really was dave was like i said earlier david fuller mm-hmm. david was 47 <gasps> a used car salesman uh-uh. Married with two children living in San Diego. What? He had a record of preying on children on the internet prior, <gasps> which is bonkers since it was so brand new. Yeah. So remember the night of the sleepover when the girls heard that creak in the kitchen? Yeah. Well, David had visited Casey before. Oh my God. He had even cased the area around her house so he knew how to get in and out quickly and quietly. Then found the storage unit and rented that. He had an entire plan prior to even coming back the second time to kidnap her. Oh my god. So the rotten of the rottenest. Yeah. Like truly. Truly. And oh like now god. his children like live without a father that I mean obviously it's better but yeah. Like he just killed himself like in that moment. Like he it was so worth it to him to to kill. die. Yeah, to kill to, and then to die. To kill himself. Just it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Oh, my God. So to make sure Casey's legacy is a positive one, mm-hmm. her friends and family created the Casey Woody Foundation that is a nonprofit organization dedicated to spreading awareness about the internet and the risks to children. Well, that's good for everybody to know. I want to look it up. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, at that time, with everything being so new, mm-hmm. nobody yeah, exactly. knew exactly. how to warn. Exactly. Even police officers. Because yeah. they don't know, they didn't know what to do. how and ugly it is on the other side. Simply because her dad was a police officer, everything moved so quickly. Yes. But had it been like another child, that, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Honestly. Oh my God. So nuts. That's heartbreaking. I know. It was really sad. That's rough. But it easily, like when I was reading that, like it easily could have been me. Mm-hmm. There's so many dumb guys in chat rooms I talk to. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Holy shit. I know. It's nuts. That's sad. Mm. R.I.P. So Casey. Well, I'm glad that there's something to come out of this yeah. where, you know, people want to sure. warn others For and sure. like tell your kids, tell yeah. your friends who have kids. Yeah. It's just a different, I'm, and there's in 10 years, 15 years, it's going to be a whole be, other set of problems exactly. that we're going to have to try to exactly. learn the rules about and warn it'll be our Instagram kids. Or it'll be like another yeah. platform that people use. Exactly. Like, there's yeah. going to be predators right. on like basic yeah. social influencing exactly. sites. It's awful. It is awful. That's sad. Aww. All right. Well, let's cheer the fuck up. Why don't we? That's right. Okay. So we have somebody who messaged us at, uh, well, they DM'd us. <laughs> if you will. Right. They slid right into our DMs at No Thank You Next Podcast. And I, they kind of made fun of themselves because there are a couple of uh, spelling errors, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that I say the correct words and make it, Got it. nice and easy. So we have Tori Koo, who sent us a message. Thank you so much, girl. This is awesome. She wrote, girls, 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 I started your podcast two and a half weeks ago, and I'm already halfway through episode 25. I love your chemistry. The detail and depth you go into your stories always keeps me on the edge of my seat. You always keep the true names of 
the victims that we need to remember of these horrible crimes. Thank you for telling their story and reminding all of us to pepper spray and then ask questions. Yes, you know, I got that from a different podcast, which is my favorite murder, (laughs) but I haven't listened to that podcast yet. So technically it's your thing for me. (laughs) keep up the amazing talent and hard work you put into this podcast i would totally itunes review you but i'm a droid girl sorry you don't have to be sorry so am i but i still wanted to send you a shout out (laughs) thank you so much thank you that was such a sweet 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 review thank you so much i'm a droid girl too i like i can tap on the link in my bio but i can't do shit with it (laughs) I don't have iTunes either, but that's okay. Send us DMs. It's perfect. It's totally fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. So yeah, guys, even (coughs) if you don't have an iPhone, (laughs) it's okay. That's how I feel. You're human. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. (laughs) Even if you don't have a platform where you feel like you can write us a review, just DM us because it makes all the difference in the world. We love it so, so much. So don't forget to slide into our DMs, email us and follow us at no thank you next podcast on Instagram. And yeah, tell your friends, tell all of your friends, tell your friends, tell your wives, tell your husbands, tell your partners, tell your sisters, tell your brothers, tell everybody, tell your parents, don't, if they're baby boomers, they will not be a fan. We put them down constantly. <laughs> Not them personally, but them as a whole. So if they associate, they know what they, they will. They know what they did. <laughs> they won't be happy they with put their life wood. choices. They know yeah. what they did. <laughs> and baby boomers won't get that because they don't know what memes are. <laughs> they call them memes. <laughs> they sure do. And that is a mini mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, anyways guys guys it's taco thursday it's fucking taco thursday we got shit to do people to see and places to be right my kid needs me to turn on another movie we got quesadillas to eat damn it we gotta go i need to go take a dare pill (laughs) (laughs) we will see you guys next week for another horrible story Bye. bye